Hello, my name's Ivo Graham. I am a relatively new, uh, a totally unheard of stand-up comic, but with, with various aspirations and dreams of making it in this tricky business. I'm about to talk quite a lot of pompous garbage at Sarah for the next hour, um, and if you find any nuggets of uh, humour or interest or inspiration in it, then you can find me on the internet, as uh, as very few people have thus far. There's a very dormant Facebook page, um, which someone set up a few years ago for me, which has mostly been abandoned, but if you'd like to know about the kind of gigs I was doing in February 2010, uh, then, then they're there. And um, more recently, I have uh, jumped on uh, on the Twitter bandwagon, and I'm there with my name, Ivo Graham, and a picture of me in a football shirt, which might lead you to make some judgments about my character, which would be mostly be incorrect. And I'm not very good at it. I will m- make a, 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 a pun on a sort of fortnightly basis, occasionally plug gigs I'm doing, uh, and then occasionally attempt to... to uh, chat to uh, more famous comedians to make myself look uh, well connected. But if any of that tickles you, then um, uh, do come along and be my 227th follower. So Ivo, how did you get into comedy? Um, I did my first comedy in my first term at, uh, at uni in Oxford um, because I remember I went in Freshers' Week or maybe the second week of term, I went to see Josie Long um, uh, performing at, um, doing a show at a thing called The Free Beer Show in Oxford, um, which was a brilliant comedy night, and she was obviously fantastic, um, but there was a student, uh, supporting her, doing a sort of 10-15 minute set, a guy called Tom Meltzer, who I think now produces, um, Kieran and Joe, still sort of doing lots of things in comedy, and he was great, and, and it was seeing someone who's, you know, a year or two older than me doing it, um, and doing fairly sort of, you know, um, not sort of, you know, being very funny, but not talking about sort of, you know, anything particularly grand showing that, you know, a student can still be sort of interesting comic. Um, that I I was very keen to do it. And um, and all sorts of other sort of cliches like that thing of, of having sort of, there being a sort of comedy society at school, but sort of run by a very sort of specific clique that I wasn't part of. And I thought, well, university, you don't really know anyone. You try it here. And if it's awful, then no one has to know. Um, so I went up to... Um, uh, Paddy Luscombe, who uh, ran a free beer show afterwards and said, could I, um, you know, how do you start, how do you start in Oxford? And he, he recommended me to a guy who ran a sort of very small um, night there. So I did my first sort of 10 minutes set there about a month later. Um, so that was, that was, that was the start. And so what was your first gig like? Um, it was, it was really lovely. Um, I was got, I got very lucky that the first two or three were really nice. Um, because if, as I say, if they weren't, I don't think I would have ever bothered again. Um, and um, uh, th- it was it was a li- it was it was a night um, at a place called the Comma Club, um, which was a sort of very small little sort of like 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 a drinks parlour in um, in the centre of Oxford, which had a monthly comedy night, which I don't think is going anymore. Um, and sort of mixture of new and slightly more experienced acts, and um, uh, Tom Goodliffe was was comparing, and and, and Broderick Chow was on, and um, I was just sort of on the middle, and it was about it was about twelve people there, but they were lovely, just sort of nice middle aged middle class couples, um, babysitters at home, um, and I came out and just said, "This is my first one. Pity me." 
um and they were and they were and they were really lovely so um it was nice and then and then uh, tom and broderick ran a sort of little night in london and they said i'll oh, come up and do that um and i did theirs and it was nice and i did a few more in oxford and um by the time i had my you know i i had i had nice n- enough nice gigs um at the beginning that it sort of it, it confirmed that it was what i wanted to sort of keep doing so then only eight months after you started gigging, uh, you won So You Think You're Funny in 2009. So what was your experience of often being the youngest person on the bill? Did you enjoy it? Um, I think I, I did. I don't, I don't really remember being much younger, particularly in New York competitions, than anyone else or, or noticeably very young. Like more now sort of doing sort of professional gigs. I'm, I'm the sort of young, often the young, the young one on the gig and have to make some hack cliched reference to that at the top um um but in in competitions it wasn't so it, it wasn't noticeable i think for other people so much i was i was just quite so sort of nervous and bewildered by it all um and um i was i was very fortunate to be taken up to um edinburgh uh, in 2009 for a full show for the month um in a package show called the lunchtime club um which has now done four years um and had some incredible people on and um and it was um but this was the first year they'd done it and it was five of us all doing sort of 10 15 minutes each and it was me and uh ben partridge uh alfie brown um david morgan and and joe lyser who is who is uh nominated for, for best newcomer this year's edinburgh and, and all, all all five are still very much involved in, in comedy um but i went for an audition for that in london in i think april and that would have been my maybe sort of 10th or 11th gig or something and I was I was very new and you know it was a 10 minute set and that was all I had and and uh John Briley and Lisa Keddy who who ran it so to said afterwards to me that that was a bit of a punt because it was a new act competition for people new act showcase people in their first year but I was the most inexperienced and, and and Lisa who was lovely and quite sort of maternal said to me like we just weren't sure whether we wanted to subject you to Edinburgh um and the sort of the knackering fatigue and emotional roller coaster of Edinburgh it's so new to comedy. Um but it was they took an a, a incredible gamble on me, which was very sweet of them and, and, and the show was so much fun to do every day. And so you think so you think funny I'd done a you know, the heat in July and I'd gone all right and I'd got through. But I the, the semi final, the final in Edinburgh, I wouldn't have got to the final let alone I'd, you know I think had a chance of winning it if it hadn't been for the experience of performing every day and honing it at Edinburgh. So just, I think that just, you can be very grand and, and pretentious about attributing various things to sort of key moments and stuff. But um, I just don't think that I would have attained any sort of momentum without having, you know, gone to that initial um, audition in April and got into that show, which was just such fun to do every day. And you performed for the month this year with Liam Williams. So how has your experience of Edinburgh changed and how does it compare from when you went up in 2009 to 2012? I've always loved it. It's always the most exciting month just to be surrounded by people who are so incredible and interesting and, and different and see as many shows, as po- I mean, do as many shows as possible, but see as well, I think. And um, people, you know, people who say, oh, Edinburgh is very depressing to, or, or very frustrating to go and watch other people's shows or, you know, you must never watch other people's shows if you're doing a show at Edinburgh. I think you you know it's 
I think it's it's the only way to sort of improve and also it's, I think it's more inspiring than it is depressing most of these people are doing things that you couldn't do so it's not like they're just doing better versions of of your stuff um it's amazing I've always had fun I think the there is a truth to the idea that the novelty slightly wears off um because the first I'd, I'd, I'd been to the Edinburgh Fringe for one day um, before I went in 2009 I think a couple or two or three years before I went uh, with my parents because we were visiting some family in Scotland and I remember I went with my dad and we saw a dance show and Reginald D. Hunter and it was it and uh, and it was and it was awesome um, but that was all I didn't know anything about the Fringe so every day was this sort of weird sort of excitement um, and and it, it's sort of I think keeping Edinburgh fresh is, is sort of dependent on you being at sort of you having new material that you're excited about, but also being at new stages of your career. So I did I did the the Comedy Zone um, the following year, which is an incredible uh, incredible showcase. And again, I did it with 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 great people, um, David Connor and uh, Josh Widdicombe, who's obviously um, on television um, uh, once to twice an evening, and um, uh, and Nazos Manlo, who's, who's great, it was just it was that uh, was a fun show. And again, that was you weren't comp a totally new act anymore, but but it was a it was again a sort of um, a really exciting step up to be doing a late night sort of twenty minutes every night like in a comedy club. Um, the next year, um, I, I didn't do Edinburgh because I was on my uni year abroad, and then um, this year with Liam, we did just an hour split between us, and and we both for various reasons wanted to do a very low-key show because I'd, I'd hadn't done much comedy for a while because I'd been finishing my degree. Um, Liam, I think, wanted to just do a little sort of, you know, half-hour himself and experiment stuff. So we, we found each other and and realised we wanted the same things and, but, and did the free fringe, which was so much fun, and we had sort of little but lovely audiences. We were at midday, no pressure at all. Um, and and he is fantastic. It was, it was so much fun performing with him. But... But this fringe was probably the least sort of the least exciting because it was you know because I was particularly starting to think more about then starting doing comedy professionally the the following month you know it's it's no one is so excited about your novelty anymore you've just got to be good you've got to live up to people's expectations of you um, and um, so it's 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 slightly different next year I I hope that I will take an hour to the fringe which is this massively hyped huge step for any comic in their third or fourth or fifth or whatever year um and i think doing that every day um will be like emotionally and financially draining but uh but that will add the excitement again of doing one's first proper show by oneself um so i think i, I think to, to sum up another rambly answer um i think the key with edinburgh is to always be doing always be doing a show that you're excited about and that sort of marks it sort of ranks as a bit of a sort of step up for you um or, or something you've not done before and then it will it should it should never be a bore i've never found it remotely boring the edinburgh fringe and w whenever you get home in september you just start you think well that's what, what do i do with myself now um and and so i'm very yeah i've, I've loved it every year. i've done three years and they've all been fantastic and then you mentioned that you didn't do comedy for a year because you went on your year abroad and you went to Russia. So did you do any stand-up whilst you were in Russia? No, I did. Uh, yet. Yet. It was, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only word I can remember now. I've um, <laughs> crammed for my exams and it's disappeared embarrassingly quickly. I um, I did French and Russian and I did, um, so third year is a year abroad and I spent 
about two thirds of it in Paris, um, and uh, about a third of it in St. Petersburg. Lovely, bold, original choices of the two most like metropolitan Western cities in their respective countries. But it was incredible, um, and it was it was slightly particularly having done as I said, the Comedy Zone that year in 2010, very sort of exciting, sort of felt like I'd, I had I had 20 minutes of comedy and, and, you know, wanted to do gigs and then suddenly, you know, plunged into this sort of, um, uh, plunged abroad and not thinking about comedy at all. And I came back a bit. It wasn't the most committed year abroad. I came back, you know, for a fair bit at Christmas, a fair bit at Easter. I did little gigs here and there in England just to slightly keep my hand in. Um, but I was not bold enough. I did not bold enough to try in, in Russia, um, where I wasn't able to discover much of a comedy scene at all. Um, uh, you know, for, you make jokes about about um, Russians and their and their lack of humour or whatever, but I think it's more there's just not much. Stand-up comedy isn't really a thing there. In France, there's a lot, and in Paris, I went to see a lot of French stuff. Um, I did a couple of English-speaking sort of open mic nights, and I tried one set in French, um, which was. And a challenge and not a successful one, I think, by any stretch. But, but it was a like a fun thing to have tr- to have tried. I don't think there's going to be much many career options there. But I said I could do it, and maybe one day I'll try it in Russian. But it, it seems a long way away now. So then, whilst you're on your year abroad, you did a bit of stand out when you were in other countries and also when you were in the UK and also throughout your degree you did a few gigs but did you find it hard keeping up with your degree and also doing comedy? Yeah I um, I think the I think the degree suffered um, undoubtedly which is which is it, it's a shame because I loved it and I never stopped uh, enjoying it but you know I turned up with all these great aspirations to become sort of trilingual and incredibly well read and then go off and do I don't know be a bit foreign correspondent or a diplomat or something um, which I'd still um, very much love to do if anyone's listening um, and as a job offer um, but within within a, uh, you know a month or two I'd done a, a few gigs and was getting very excited by doing that and then I think um, by the end certainly of the end of my second fringe if not when in the first fringe, I was becoming sure that I wanted to do it full time afterwards, and that nothing is guaranteed, obviously, and, and and the whole thing is a bit of a risk, particularly in so many sort of acts. But but that there was a that, that I might have a chance of doing it professionally, and that, that you know I might be, I'd be able to do gigs and stuff. So I was sort of looking ahead to that, and and it it embarrassed me that 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 I wasn't giving you know hundred percent to my degree, and that um and. I came back, you know, as I say, tried to knuckle down abroad. And then my last year, I came back and did very little. I'd, I'd run comedy nights in Oxford in my first two years and done lots of gigs there. And I did very little in my final year and worked, you know, a bit harder for my finals. So, I, you know, I came out of it with, of it with a with a, with a, an acceptable, you know, respectable degree, but not nothing um, sort of particularly impressive. And... Um, and as I say, I'm, I'm forgetting my languages so swiftly now because there's just, you know, they don't come up much in your, in your life of travelling around to, you know, Scunthorpe and Colchester to do gigs. Um, so, and, and, it, and it feels, obviously lots of people, lots of people do, do degrees that then turn out not to be relevant to their, you know, um, career choice. Most people, most people who do art subjects, you know, end up in, you know, in advertising banks or, or, or whatever, Um obviously not just those two things but you know various um showing my sort of narrow uh frame of reference but 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 i think it's particularly 
because of having done something as sort of exotic as languages where sort of you, most people imagine that language students will then live abroad and work abroad that I'm that I'm just not using them and I think you know my tutors were sort of aware that I was doing a comedy at the same time and trying to juggle it and and they were sort of sweet and sort of gave me a bit of leeway but um I think if I'd been more organized I'd have been able to do both more efficiently I mean there are you know um you read sort of the Wikipedia pages of most of the comics that I love, and, and most of them say, "Oh, you know, they did they, you know, people who went to Cambridge and joined the Footlights, but also got glittering like double firsts in their degrees." I think if you're organised, you can do both. I think I just wasn't quite organised enough, and so the work did slip sometimes because I was going off to to London or further away to do gigs on weekends a fair bit. And um, but I equally, I think I'm I'm disorganised enough, and and was excited enough by uni and just generally sort of having fun and, and making friends and going out that even if I wasn't doing comedy I might well have just slipped equally so at least I was doing something sort of interesting and fun and, and potentially professionally useful while doing that so no no real regrets and then aside from performing at the Edinburgh Festival you also performed at the Just for Laughs Festival and also in Hollywood so how did you find that different countries compared in terms of performance um lovely mostly um very very nice very nice people the canadians the americans um but equally i i don't think that i'm a hugely uh sort of interesting challenging act who who would split people across like nations and and reveal sort of fundamental differences between different continent <laughs> senses of humor it's fairly you know inoffensive you know bland autobiographical stuff that, that if you can speak English you'll probably get on board with it I mean it was it was odd we did um so so it was, it was both in 2010 my 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 greatest summer um because just for laughs was the inc like amazing and and pr like prize for winning so you think you're funny is you go you get flown out um and and put and put up in Montreal for a few days and you do these gigs there um, and that's you do like you're fl flown over so little I mean um, not that I want to, to to question the sort of the financial um, wisdom of, of the of the Just for Laughs committee but you know I, I haven't really felt I like lucked out to go out I did four 10 minute spots out there um, because it's all sort of showcases it's there are very few like our shows like Edinburgh it's all sort of the Brit showcase the American showcase the the nasty show which I was not invited to do uh, and then uh, new and then sort of like the newer acts I did sort of some of the new act bills in 10 minute spots um, and, and they were lovely and you know you, you change the references obviously did anything to particularly English um, probably probably goes unless you're being willfully obtuse but um, but the gigs were lovely the worst thing was I I I, I um, in in Montreal, we've flown over for literally about about I would say ninety six hours in total, um, or four days um, to use more conventional terminology, <laughs> um, but um, I was so jet lagged. We went out there that we sort of got in, um, and I can't remember when we sort of got in in the morning. I think and went for a sleep at a sort of about midday, and. With with my friend Jack, who'd, who'd sort of come out with me, um, and and they they as I said, they'd even put him up as well, which is just astoundingly generous. Um, but he'd come out sort of you know sensing a, a sort of fun holiday with some cool comics, and so we both went for a sleep at midday, and the gig was at eight, so sort of alarms for five p.m. or whatever, and um, 
and I was woken by my friend Jack sort of shaking me and going, it's it's 11.30pm, we've missed the gig. So, sort of, just that sort of panicking thing where you wake up and, and you just, you're powerless. You're, it's not your own, I mean, it is your own disorganisation, but it's also your body and your subconscious have failed you. So, I'd say the biggest... Uh, sort of embarrassment of going to sort of do do comedy in, in Canada was Canada was not some niche reference to an English supermarket which went down to, to dead silence. It was probably having not turned up for twenty five percent of the gigs that was flown out there to do. And Jimmy Carr, who I met the next day afterwards, who was there, described it as one of the least professional things he'd seen his entire comedy career, which was which was nice of him. Um, so it was it was. It was a bizarre trip and just, as I say, you sort of got there and adjusted to it just in time to do these tiny gigs and got out. And then um, the same month we'd done, um, uh, we'd gone to we'd gone to uh, Hollywood to do some gigs, which was uh, less of a sort of, you know, a big prize to an international festival. It was it was sort of more of a, a venture that we we did ourselves. Um, uh, John Bridie, who, 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 who ran the, organized the Lunchtime Club, which took me up the year before to Edinburgh, um, was taking a... a, a a few acts out to perform at the Hollywood Fringe in its first year, um, which was run by a bunch of sort of um, American sort of comedians and, and theatre types who'd come to Edinburgh and, and said, we're going to put this on in our in, in our town um, without, I think, perhaps appreciating that Edinburgh has been sort of building up for about sort of 60 or whatever years. Um, so it was this slightly sort of fragmented sort of debut venture, but but we did shows there for sort of, you know, half hour, hour long shows. And, they, and again, they were lovely and the audiences were... Were, were were very nice and it was it's it's cool to be able to say that I've performed there I don't know again part of the thing of being a new act is often the excitement of being new and of the opportunities of being you know very new uh, uh, are more exciting than the opportunity you will then get for the next few years where you're trying to establish yourself as then a competent professional so I don't know you know having been to Canada and 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 Hollywood within 18 months of my first gig this is incredible luxury. I had no plans to travel internationally anytime soon again, but it was it was an amazing summer to do those. And as I say, mostly the gigs that I where I, I was awake for were lovely. And you performed at Spank uh, this year in Edinburgh, and there's a video of you on YouTube where you're doing your your mum set. Um, and during that, you're heckled, and you refer to it as a shared victory, and. Some comedians describe dealing with a heckler as a conversation, but would you say that you feel it's more of a battle? Um, no, I think it's it's mostly you know I think fun to 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 deal to, you know to sort of try and deal with that kind of thing, and and most of them are you know are most most heckles you get are sort of very I mean ev- everyone says everyone who you tell you've done comedy all sort of friends and, and and parents and friends of parents say say oh you must do do you get heckled a lot it must be awful. Um, and obviously, occasionally it, it it is. And having been so brazen about it now, I'm sure calm will strike, and I'll get you know booed off stage uh, tomorrow night in uh, Exeter. Um, but but I do. I think mostly, very few or that I've come across are, are just nasty or point. Sometimes they're not very funny or they're slightly sort of misguided. But they'll often like inject a gig. I think with more. Um, like sort of more energy than than. You know, then they take away. Obviously, if you're if you're on a bit of a mem- you know, a bit of a roll and getting some momentum, and then someone interrupts you with something just entirely irrelevant, then it's slightly frustrating. But but momentum is not something that I've, I I often toy with in my set. So often, like, can be 
it can be the, the best thing to happen. I mean, I, I was doing a gig um, uh, last week in uh, Maidstone in Kent, and and it was it was going fine, but not sort of particularly so interesting. I'd done about ten minutes to sort of, and I wasn't, you know, it was going all right. It wasn't it wasn't a gruesome death, but it wasn't particularly exciting. You sort of see people sort of just nodding along. Um, and and then um, and you do get a few get a few heckles about about your age if you're a sort of young younger and some but this was one of the best ones ever was a, a woman from the back uh, shouted out uh, can you vote um, but after I, and I I think I was I'd thrown it wasn't just from no I'd thrown a question to the audience and I'd, and she'd answered it with another question but one I couldn't possibly have anticipated and then I chatted to her for about ten minutes about about voting and my political preferences and hers and various other things and it was so and it was so much more fun and it was and it was and and i think i hope the audience were enjoying it a lot more and they saw something much more than just see sort of some slightly tired rehearsed material they saw something that was slightly exciting and novel um and that was you know to use the sort of like thing that people often say at the end of the at the end of gigs, what live comedy is all about, which is sort of more of a sort of fun dialogue, something that's spontaneous and in the moment and couldn't really be planned for. I hope there was no one in there thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's planted someone to ask if he can vote if the if the gig's going badly because that's what he always does. I think it was fairly obvious that it was all off the cuff and it trains you to be more spontaneous and to fear audiences less. And um, it's fun. I mean, the Spank, Spank is a show that I've done a few times at Edinburgh over the last. Uh, few years and it's and it's always lovely and fun and and it's quite sort of rowdy and late night sort of boozy and you come on stage at about 2 a.m and um and everyone's had one one or two uh beverages and so it and it can be too rowdy and the, the one that was filmed which um which listeners would be most welcome not to seek out um because it's this it's this odd gig and and it was just the one spank night that they were filming and and there's videos of, of 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 everyone there online, um, some of which have been sort of edited. They had the stuff edited out, but pretty much everyone was going on knowing that they were going to be heckled and have to deal with it, um, which again does make for a more supposedly exciting live experience. But but a shame if you've got material that you're looking forward to having filmed but online, and it's just entirely disrupted. And this um and it's this set that it's from an older sort of bit of material that I still occasionally use, it's sort of like very inane thing about about like your mum like explain Ivo Graham explains the concept of your mum choke to his own mother what a groundbreaking bit of political comedy that is but um but it's it's quite fun and I'm and you sort of feel affection to it because it's one of the first routines that you've ever sort of written and it's an attempt to subvert the the laddiness of the your mum choke which which um uh, but but the dis the disadvantage to it, which I've slightly realised and had slightly forgotten at Spank, is that often it will then you put it into people's minds and people will want to chip in later with a, with your mum joke of their own. So you do the joke if you do it at the top of the set, and then you spend the rest of your set being incredibly careful not to word anything you say so that it could sound remotely euphemistic and some some card from the back could shout that's what your mum said and then we'll get a bigger round of applause than you could possibly hope to achieve with any of your own stuff and that happened in edinburgh and i just thought right well that's that's very much my own fault and i yeah i described it as a shared victory because because it was probably you know 70 30 to him um but that's you know it's it's fun it's it's part of it and and um if you know some comics hate it and it can ruin a gig if someone interrupts but but I've I've usually had more fun and had more memorable gigs as a result of interruptions than I've had, you know, horrible experiences.
And you talk about your family quite a lot in your set. So how do your family feel about you pursuing stand-up comedy? Um, I think they are um, politely baffled, are the w- sort of words I would use, as as am I to an extent. I know that's, and again, another sort of self-deprecating cliche of saying, I just wake up in the morning and I can't believe that this is my job. Wake up in the morning at 11 a.m. Um, and don't have to do anything. Um but it it is it's very odd that it's gotten that it you know went from a sort of look what the boy's doing with his spare time at university to this is what he now does as a real thing and um but but nor are my parents you know their my parents have been fantastic and and supportive and not the sort of kind of you know but you should but you should be a sort of you know what about being a, a doctor or a lawyer or whatever i think you know they're quite excited by it my dad in particular was sort of he was in bands uh, all through uh, uni and sort of hugely into music and sort of pursued it i think for a few months after university and then the, the band went its its various ways and and he now works in a bank and i think for him there was I mean, to sort of, you know, attribute too much to my dad's motives. But I think there was that slight sort of what if you'd, you'd you know, he'd followed it and and, um, uh, and seen where it went. And so I think because they are slightly sort of parallel, you know, um, industries to a certain extent. And because I've long ago disappointed my father with my lack of any kind of musical talent, um, it's, you know, so this is the next best thing. Um, I think... Um, I think he's sort of excited to see me sort of trying it and they're very supportive and they come to a lot of gigs um, and give quite sort of constructive, bordering on aggressive feedback after gigs. It was that thing of, you know, the first couple of gigs, they'd say, my goodness, well done, very nice that you're like, I just can't believe you can do that, very brave. And then within a few months, dad would come to gigs and go and go, right, well, I mean, you know, you know that you let yourself down there. I know you let yourself down there. We've I've seen you be better than that. You can... Um, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? And it's great. It's 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 a it's a genuinely sort of in his own way quite business like approach to it. Of you know, I love that you do it. I think it's fun and creative. But I want to see you do it well and fulfil your potential. Um, and uh, and it's great. And my dad came. He came up to Edinburgh, especially from from London, to watch the final of So You Think You're Funny. And again, they'd seen me like I think once or maybe twice at a uni kick at that point. And then sort of you know had no idea that it was sort of anything of any note and then you know he came up to the fringe for this final of this of you know competition and 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 i did it and 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 as i said in had the good fortune to win it and 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 it was just it was it was it was very sort of strange and emotional being so with, with various comedy friends and then my dad afterwards in in a, in a sort of bar going yeah well I, I, you know and my dad looking at me going a well done b i think this i think this may we may have just passed the point of no return for uh for going off and being a, a journalist or uh working in the city or whatever um but they're great and then i've got a younger sister and brother who are equally so lovely about it concerned when they're when they're mentioned in in the material and i did a gig at my old school uh where my brother was at school and, and mentioned him and he'd been very sort of he'd been fine with me doing material about him up until that point, but doing it in front of like two hundred of his contemporaries in that moment where I said his name and felt ev- just could see every head in the auditorium turn to him in the middle and think, oh no, I've whatever I say now will be quoted back at him tomorrow morning, um, and had to sort of abort that bit quite quickly. So occasionally they'll think it's a bit close to the bone, but I think 
you know, they think they recognise that it's something that I love doing and is quite fun and enables sort of interesting experiences. And also, if being very honest, not just, no guarantee that I'd be very good at doing anything else. I'm, you know, I'm not. Um, I wasn't fantastic at my degree, um, and I wasn't. Um, you know, there was no, no no other sort of you know great opportunities I turned down. I wasn't doing something vocational like a sort of me medicine or law or anything. Um, so in a way, you know, I'm going going come into a profession where I am at least have some vague aptitude for it, which is not something that could be said for me doing anything else. So it they're mostly yeah nice, good, you know, work hard, keep trying, and as they say, for God's sake. You quit if if you if if it if it's going badly. Don't don't please don't struggle on for our sake. But for the moment, you know, young, you know, sort of it's exciting. Give it give it a go. That's well, that's what your early twenties are for. They'd rather I was doing that than doing copious amounts of drugs. Um, and like if I can do both with my time, then that's fine. But um, uh, we'll get there, I'm sure. And then you studied at Eton, and then you went to Oxford. So do you find that your education has had an impact? on your style of comedy? Um, not really, I think, in, in truth. I think the the sort of awful mantra about Eton and sort of quoted in sort of prospectuses and things is that it turns out confident sort of young men, uh, sort of, you know, bulletproof from like years of repression and and boarding away from their parents and uh, minimal female contact and sort of, and it, and it means, you know, it means you're sort of, you've had this weird sort of upbringing, but, but it also means that you're sort of, you know, you've had a very good education and a good, uh, and, you're, and you're sort of quite, you know, as I say, it breeds a sort of certain kind of confidence, which, which can spill over into the worst kind of old public school boys which which i hope that people would um not judge me as being um and you've got to be careful that that you don't sort of fulfill any of the often quite fair stereotypes that are bandied around but i think there is a truth to that and i think that though very few uh older tones go into into stand-up comedy it's that same thing if they tr you know train you having an extra curriculars and 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 makes you b believe in yourself and how pretentious all that sounds. So, um, and the, you know, there are a fair few, uh, you know, older tones doing very well. People like Humphrey Carr and, and, and Totally Tom and, um, and, uh, and, and Jojo Parmas and Kieran and Joe and stuff like it's, um, so as, as cynical as I think people might be about the sort of, you know, the, the machine like way in which it turns out, um, you know, young, uh, writers and, uh, young actors and young comedians and uh young young economy ruiners am i right um it's it's i think there's a logic to it not that i had any idea of that school because i was and i know it's a big uh um again to, cliche to, to say i was very unhappy at school um i wasn't unhappy at school i was just invisible at school i played uh mario kart with my two friends and did my work and then occasionally would go and watch a school comedy society and think i'd love to be like those guys and then i tried it at uni and it, and but even though there was a sort of bit bit of a delay i think that the, the spark sort of came there and I'd always watched comedy with my dad and stuff. My dad's a huge comedy fan. He'd showed me sort of old, you know, eighties stuff, like the young ones, not nine o'clock news and stuff. And um, and then introduced me to comics like like uh, uh, Dylan Moran and, and Bill Bailey. So 
I knew what stand-up was and I knew I wanted to give it a go, but it was just a while before I did. And do you have a favourite venue that you prefer performing in? Um, not quite yet, I think. Um, in terms, I just haven't done any, I think, specific, apart from Edinburgh Rooms, a specific room enough times to go, oh, well, this one's always a lovely gig. Um, because, it, you know, I'm basing most of my experiences on one or possibly two gigs and uh, as if, as any GCSE chemistry student knows that isn't enough to base a uh, to base a rule on um, you um, I don't I mean I've done uh, I've done a few I've done a fair few shows in the Pleasant Theatre in Islington which oh, it's a, an amazing little sort of room the stage space which seats about 50 people and feels very sort of intimate and lovely um, but that's partly also because I've been doing rather than doing sort of gigs where I'm sort of 20 minutes along with loads of other comics I've been doing my own sort of doing, doing one hour shows or working process or previews or whatever and so I've enjoyed that mainly because the gig itself is it allows me to um basically do my own vain uh rambling um longer sets in front of audiences pretty much entirely populated by friends um so it's more than just a theatre there and then another obvious answer is is the comedy store because I did that for the first time in September and it's just just amazing as part of a showcase with with some really amazing acts just doing 10 minutes and just going out and having seen lots of shows there knowing everything about the history of the room and hearing other acts sort of just sort of like rhapsodize about how perfect a space it is for comedy purpose built uh and it just is this sort of room which seats i don't know how many hundred people but feels so intimate so low ceilinged so and you, and you you come off stage there and just think I've done comedy properly at a proper comedy place and some of the people laughed and you know I can I can I can die happy now um and so if I if I if I get the chance to play there again I'd be very happy and do you have a favorite type of audience um no not really I, I think uh um patient kind um uh forgiving I um no, I I think I've I've, I've had uh, really lovely gigs to you know to audiences of sort of you know five ten people who've just been lovely and it's felt a bit like a chat not like a comedy gig but it's but it's been lovely and intimate and and so you feel charming and you feel a sort of personal connection and then you have you know huge gigs where you feel like a rock star like playing a comedy store or by far the biggest one I've ever done I did comedy at Latitude a couple of years ago um, and uh, and that was sort of 4,000 people in a tent and you just think that's amazing um, and both those are exciting but equally you can have the most awkward gig in the world to five people um, and if they're not enjoying it you can see every single one of their faces and you can turn your ass to, to hundreds of thousands of people um, and that's pretty embarrassing in itself so I think, I think I don't know an audience who is, is sort of excited enough for it and prepared to tolerate a couple of niche references. Always fun when you can refer to some obscure indie band or footballer, and one or two people will laugh, and you'll know that they're your people. Um, and but you know, just people who who do love comedy and are there to you know give you give you the attention that you so arrogantly crave, and not there just to sort of be entertained while they're drinking with their mates. Um, but 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 mostly had very nice gigs to mostly very nice people and um, oh God, what a what a what a awful sentimental answer that is just just all of them have been very nice apart from the horrible ones of which there have been many but we don't want to single any out. 
And do you have any tips or advice for aspiring comics? Um, I was very lucky when I started to be to be at uni and to be um, juggling it with with a degree. Often, as I said, to the expense of the degree, but to be you know in a place. Um, like Oxford and most unis are like this but particularly uh, I think Bristol in particular is great lots of stuff going on there like unis with loads of stu student nights and I mean obviously Cambridge famously um, um, uh, and Manchester or whatever but like in a, in a city where you can gig lots but slightly sort of out of the public eye you're not quite going to London and trying to compete with the with the sort of with with the big boys and and go and do gigs that you're not ready for yet and most of my I went up to London a couple of times I say but most of my first few gigs um, were at um, uh, were in front of lovely student audiences so I sort of it can make you complacent and think that you're better than you are but it does mean you hone your stuff before you start showing it to people and you don't uh, as soon as you've written ten minutes of anything start trying to hawk it out because often if you if you get put forward for a gig too early, and then you don't have a particularly good good gig, then it's often sort of one one step forward, two steps back, and I've I've certainly had that a couple of times. Um, so, but you know, gig lots and enjoy it, and watch as much as possible. Try and get a feel for what sort of hack and 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 try and develop your own style. I know these are all massive cliches, but um, th I think I think just gigging lots and enjoying being on stage and not being afraid and and though it took me a long time to, to even begin doing this, being happy deviating from a script and sort of doing a bit of sort of chatting to the audience or whatever is, is just builds your confidence and then go to Edinburgh because it's the greatest thing in the world and um, just to be there or to do shows or whatever. And do you have any tips or advice for students? Um, uh, no, I mean, um, I've not, I've not, I mean, not hugely. I, I didn't really know what I was doing when I arrived at uni. Um, and and wouldn't say that I was ever a good example of a of a sort of a, a, an accomplished student who 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 was juggling his 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 time and his work well. Um, I don't know. Don't don't think the freshest week is going to be the greatest week of your life. Uh, don't. Uh, um, um, God, I don't know. It, um, a, a, it, can't, it can't just be that. I'm just trans trans transcribing my own memories of how underwhelming Freshers' Week was, but then how much fun everything else was afterwards. Um, uh, try and do lots of extracurricular activities and meet as many people as you can. And don't just don't 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 feel you have to drink all the time um, uh, because often it, it it can impair your judgment and make your conversation worse. Um, and I don't know. Have have a have a load of fun. This is the by far the, the the least comfortable answer I've given in this interview. I I I, but I mean, do you know to end on a really awful sound bite? Try something a bit different because I'd no idea of the idea that you know that comedy the comedy world even really existed beyond the people I'd seen on telly before I arrived at uni, um, or that one could make a sort of a living out of it. And I tried it, and it's led me to do the most interesting things that I've done in my life, and meet some of the most interesting people I've ever met, and see inspiring things. And that could be comedy, or it could be anything. But uh, but you gotta you gotta jump in there feet first, or or head first. Um, I, I'm not sure which which is which is correct, but do that. <laughs>